Welcome to Heartspeak Podcast, episode 265, Halloween, What Lies Beneath. Welcome to the Heartspeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you're in the world. It's good to be back with you and thank you for joining me. And thank you for your wonderful response to my last podcast on the dragon energy. And I thought we would just continue this, especially with Sawen on Halloween, following up on the 31st of October. And alongside this, we have a partial lunar eclipse on the 28th of October. So there's a lot about going deep, getting to know oneself within, but also exploring and exposing what is beneath. And this is because the full moon is in Taurus, which is about the land, nature, finances, the body. And the sun is presently in Scorpio. So Scorpio is about going deep into these areas. feels that it ties in beautifully. And around the time of that lunar eclipse on the 28th, we're also going to see activities joining with that sun and moon in Mars, which is passion, and Jupiter, which is exaggeration, and Mercury, which is communication. So expect to see a lot of that happening around this time. And of course, we know that's what's happening around the world. And again, I send my love to all those who are going through very difficult times, wherever you are. And what's important is that, as I have mentioned, there is an axis, we would say, for the nodal axis of the moon. And this final axis in Taurus Scorpio is really coming to the close of maybe an 18-month period where, as I say, the axis has been between Taurus, land, possession, finance, Scorpio going deep inside, and the next eclipses are going to go to the Aries Libra axis, which was associated with our recent solar eclipse. So I'm saying all of that because I think there's been a lot of stirring that's been happening. And I've talked about that with Pluto turning and Saturn still <laughs> retrograde. And we're waiting for that to change on the 4th of November. So there's a lot of things that have come to the surface. And I think when that happens and it's going to continue, we're being asked to, okay, it's come to the surface. Now what? What are we going to do with this information? How are we going to work with it individually? How are we going to work with it in a community way? And I think that the idea of what possesses us or what do we possess is really a key to maybe this lunar eclipse, these last next two weeks, maybe this last time that we have this access. So digging deep and saying, what am I holding on to? What do I identify through my, my stories, my events, my identities? And what do I need to release to be able to move on this next step of my journey? So it feels like a, an endings and some very exciting new beginnings. And as I say, we must not just say, okay, we're going to go back to where we were. Something big has to change if we're going to move forward and evolve as a species, because we can't just keep rehashing 
the old ways of doing things. And there's a lot that's going on at the moment, which reminds me of the Roman Empire and the collapse of the Roman Empire, and even further back into Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. It feels we're just repeating patterns. So let's look to doing something uniquely different, finding that unique self that says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but this is what I'm going to do. And with that, we come to what my subject is today, which is what lies beneath. And that is not only lying beneath our feet, but also what lies beneath me, what's inside me that's waiting to be birthed. And I think this is a great time. It's imagining what seeds were planted in our past that now are coming to fruition, or maybe we never watered them in the first place, but we were worried about them coming up. So what is wanting to be brought to the surface? What is wanting to find the light? And Samhain or Halloween is a very interesting time. We'll say it's October the 31st. And in the Celtic and the Gaelic calendar, it was seen as the end of the old year and the beginning of a new one. So where we might see this as you know January the 1st or December 31st, in that calendar, it was that this was an end of a year. So many times it was celebrated as that. We're, we're putting things on the bonfire that we're letting go of and we're giving birth to something else. Another way of looking at Samhain was the fact that the six months from May the 1st until November the 1st are taken care of by the goddess or the god of light. And then the next six months are taken care of by the god or the goddess of the dark. And it was a balance point. <laughs> But as Christianity and other systems came along, it was like, hmm, not sure what we want to give six months to the god of the dark or the goddess of the dark. So let's try and keep everybody positive and light and buy, you know, build bonfires so the light never goes out. But if you've had this experience in yourself, I could just tie it in with either you've had a dark night of the soul or just your breathing. We breathe in and we breathe out. And that's a, you know, we could say six months <laughs> in breath or six months out breath. Of course, you're not going to take six months. But what I'm suggesting that everything in our body is based on this cycle of allowing the same amount of time for the in breath as the out breath, same amount of time for the heart to contract and to relax. And when we're out of balance and we don't give ourselves time to rest, then we get irregular heartbeats, so we get tired, we get exhausted, and our body says, okay, slow down, we're going to do something here. So six months is a long period of time, but let's just say you were very active between May the 1st and November the 1st. Now you've got six months to relax, but also to go within, to harvest what it is that you've been doing for these six months, to bring that harvest to your heart, to re-engage re with yourself, regenerate yourself, and then may the first you, you come out again and you're ready to be born. So what happens at this time, this October 31st? It is a time when the veil between the dimensions is extremely thin. And this is why the spirits are said to rise up from within the earth and want to share food with you if you leave food or you left little treats for them. This is where the trick and treat came from. And the idea was that you wanted to pacify them and say, please go back again. <laughs> Do not stay on this surface, go home. 
And this was very true. I've seen this in many of the South American countries look at this as All Souls Day, as All Hallows Day, where you celebrate your relatives, but you're giving them the food they like. And then you're saying, now, please go back. Well, please go back to where you've come from. And I remember in Bolivia when we were there, they would say, we'll do this for three years. We'll make the food you enjoy. But after three years, we're not doing it again, only because it's not the place you need to be. You need to have gone, go back to the spirit world. So this idea of spirits being able to come and walk amongst us at this time was the very reason why people would dress up as ghouls and ghosts and things that go bump in the night. Because if you dress like the spirits, they wouldn't see you and therefore they wouldn't try and take you into the underworld. This was the theory. So this is why people dress up as ghosts, etc. Of course, it's all gone far beyond that. I'm not sure <laughs> if the ghouls and ghosts and spirits recognize spirit, uh, Superman or Superwoman or whatever it is people dress up as, as something that they would recognize in the underworld <laughs> and therefore leave it alone. I imagine that they might actually get very interested in seeing all these figures that wander around and say, oh, you can join me. But putting aside all of that, the idea was that you would really try and dress so that they wouldn't notice you. And sometimes you would leave a little treat and you were hoping that they wouldn't trick you into following them. That was really the trick and treat. And often a bonfire was lit, but that bonfire represented, let's keep the fire alive so that the sun never goes down, the fire is there. And that's where the idea of lighting a lantern and having a fire inside it came from, that idea of let's make sure we keep the fire going during the winter. So you take a piece of that fire back with you into your home. And the bobbing for apples or whatever you did with apples was all apparently about magic because apples are always connected to the pentagram, the idea of magic. But again, it's twisted into being a fertility rite. <laughs> Would you meet someone you liked or not? There we go. We always change a lot of the very old fashioned ideas and make them more modern. But it took me into a world of saying, OK, what is beneath? What do we know about this world beneath? And it, it takes us into the world of fairies and elves and dwarfs, but also many other types. And I thought I would just share some of those with you. So we have the Turadadana in, in Ireland, who are the people who are often called the fairy people. And the story was that they were in battle with another group and they eventually decided they weren't going to continue the battle, or you could say they lost the battle, and they went into the earth. And so when you're traveling around Ireland, you often see fairy forts or fairy mounds or groups of trees where the Tuatadana are said to rise and fall and, or come through there. And sometimes, of course, they say they're going to take something away from the earth and take it into their underworld. Of course, we've got all those stories. Um, <laughs> when someone gets pregnant, oh, well, let's blame the fairies. <laughs> Whatever happens, we've got someone else to blame. But the fact of the matter is that these, what they call the she, the, the, the little people, the fairies, are very much part of that culture. And the culture calls it the other world, not the underworld, but the other world. And this is where 
these individuals live. And then we have the Menui from Hawaii. And here they're said to be small people who come out of the earth at night and build walls and build different structures and then disappear back into the earth again. And there are many stories of small people or giants who appear and then disappear again. And it is said that the Anunnaki, you may have come across the Anunnaki, they all seem to be said to be light beings, but they're also said to be giants. And they're said to live in the mountains or live in, in the underworld, uh, waiting to emerge at some time. And I think we can be clear that there are many beings who live in the other world, many of whom will have gone there at times of disaster on this planet. Because if we think about it, if let's say there was huge flooding, something happened on the surface, you would either go high and maybe into the mountains, and then you talk about Shangri-La, or you go deep into the caves and into the tunnels, and then even deeper. And they seem to be the obvious solutions. And even today, we hear of people prepping to go into a cave or into a corridor. But what I'm aware of is that these beings who live within the earth and who are using the dragon power I talked about before are often very deep down. And I think there are many layers, and this is certainly, this is how the Maya saw it, was there are many layers down. So even if you were one or two layers down, you wouldn't know the people who lived on a deeper level. And I think about the Hypogeum in Malta. Some of you may have visited this place. And there are many stories about there being many layers. Hypogeum means under the earth. And if you go to the Hypogeum, you're going down into the earth and there are initiation chambers there that a certain sound or a certain tone will change your awareness, help you to, to evolve. But there are stories of people who in the ancient times, or I shouldn't say ancient times, maybe 100 years ago, actually found a way through to the even lower levels than you're allowed to go into today. And there's a story about a teacher who or no, it wasn't. The teacher went down with a group of children and the children were never seen again. And we, there's legends of the children being heard, the cries of the children being heard by their parents. But I also heard another story about a woman and her friend going there and being taken to this place very deep. And they saw this passageway and they said to the guy, you know, can we go down there? And he said, well, you're not really allowed, but hey, you can, you know, let's go quickly. So she gave her friend, I think it was like a scarf to hold, and that she then went through the passageway and came out on a ledge. And as she is on this ledge, she sees all these beings even lower down than she is on different ledges, on different shelves, and they are seeing her. And she doesn't describe them as friendly beings. She sees them as fairly scary. She tugs on the scarf and says to her friend, pull me back, pull me back. And the friend pulls her back and she doesn't talk about it for a while, but then she writes about it. And then a few years later, she goes back there and she says, 
to the guards, you know, where is, let's say, Stefan who helped us? And they said, we've never had a Stefan tell us this. Or we've never had a Stefan here. And so whoever it was that guided her to see that gave us the chance to know what was beyond, what's deeper. And this, much of this is now hidden by the Maltese government or the, the tourist part of Malta who really don't want to talk about these deeper levels and why it is that there have also been skulls found there in Malta that don't have what we call a sagittal suture, central suture, or why they found rows of teeth, two, two rows of teeth in one mouth. And there are so many things around the world that don't make sense, but nobody wants to talk about them. And if you ask about it, you're either blanked or seen that we don't know that exists. So there are things beneath the earth in those ways, within the mountains, within the hills. We know that there are different insect type, insect type of beings, the ant people, believe they come out from the ant, from the ground. Now, this is in the area I live in, the Four Corners. Now, this doesn't mean they're ants. It was just that that's how they were described because it made sense of why, especially the Hopi and Navajo, believe you emerge from the earth and are born into the earth from below, not from above. So these are different stories that I, I hope that you will start to look at your own mythology and wonder what's going on. It reminds me then of taking myself to places where there, were aware, there was awareness of this need to go into the underworld. A place called Quenco in, in just outside Cusco, up by Saxo Woman. And there, there's a place that some of you may have visited. And I went there many years ago. And what you do is you, it's a a stone structure that is natural stone, but it's being carved. And you enter through a passageway, which is a bit like a serpentine passageway. And then you enter into this cavern. And there you see three steps up to what looks like a bed or a throne. But behind that is a deep impression into the earth. Goes, enters into the underworld. And as it was described to me, was that you take three steps to go up. This is a, an Inca tradition. So you step up, step up, you become whole and you say, look, I'm on my throne. I've become the sovereign. But that's only part of the journey. And then you have to go into the underworld to find yourself truly, which is, again, something connected with Samhain or Halloween. And what was interesting the last time I was there, they'd actually changed around the structure so that instead of going through this sort of serpentine pattern, you were forced to go into the exit and out the wrong way. So you, you went in by the exit and went out by the entrance. And this is something I've seen many times where an initiation, a site where you could get insights into your, those deeper levels were confused by those who does, don't want us to see what's going on. So I was then down in a wonderful place. It's, it's an underground city in Turkey. Some of you know Goim. And I was very fortunate to be with someone who had this amazing voice and was able to play a, a beautiful drum in a very special way. And even though we were being ushered along, don't stop, don't stop, keep going, 
we found this little place in the cave where we could actually just stop and listen to the music and, and look at the drums. And what was interesting is these wonderful musicians started to play and to sing the orbs, and they are like white, like white with flashes and balls, just flew across the cameras. We all caught these images. And as I tapped into these beings, because an orb is very much connected to something that is coming up, or it's like a, a, a multidimensional, it's a coming from another dimension. We only see the light. We don't see the whole being. So we're, they're showing just this light energy because they are multidimensional beings. And I asked, you know, why are you showing yourself? And they said, we are so deep into the earth and we are, can't actually be bothered with humans <laughs> because the human species is still on a very unevolved level. But this beautiful music is bringing us to the surface and we want to listen to it. And it gives us hope that humanity is changing. And I thought that was just a fabulous message. And just to complete, let me give you a couple of other examples I've had. I remember going to a place where I could see this figure, this female figure actually tied to a pole. Now, the pole wasn't there anymore, nor was the woman, but this was through my inner insight, I could see this. And why I'm saying this, that this is the realm that some of you may know about as ghosts. So sometimes where you are shocked or something traumatic happens, even though your soul leaves, your etheric body stays in that place and it, it can be seen hundreds of years on. So here this poor lady had been locked into this place because she had been killed and I could see her etheric form as if I could see her, her physical form, but she had long gone. And what was interesting is that we were going to this place as it's a very sacred place on the North Island of New Zealand. And my travel agents, my, my tour guides were saying, oh, come over here, coming over here. Okay, this is what we need to look at. And I'm in my usual way saying, but what about that woman hanging from the pole? <laughs> what do we need to do about her? And of course, in the usual way, people said, thank you, Christine, this is not true. <laughs> you're, you know, you're on your own here. And that never bothers me. And I walked over to where I could see this Polish woman and I sent prayers to release her soul or to release the etheric body back to the soul. And I saw the energy dissolve. And of course, I did mention it to the tour guide. And they said, no, no. And yet when I left there, there happened to be a book that was written about this place that talked about how in more modern times, and I'll say five, 500, 600 years ago, and there had been sacrifices. And this had been a, a very ancient site, but there had been sacrifices at that time. And I think this is what I find is that either I see something and I know that I can do some work there, or I see something and it becomes real for me. And this is really my interest that I... I'm not interested in trying to convince someone else what I see, and I hope you're not. It's work with what you see. So we have ghosts, we have spirits, you might say, who are still caught up in the net, still unable to move towards the light. Some of you may have come across some people like that or beings like that. And this reminds me of a place called Douth, which some of you may know outside Newgrange or near Newgrange in Ireland. 
And this was an amazing time because the day we visited, there was a hurricane, well, a mini, it, the, the uh, end of a hurricane passing through Ireland. It was strong enough to knock down trees. And at that time, even the people going into Newgrange were being told, I don't know if you can go in because it's just too chaotic and we're scared for your safety. But because I had already been to Newgrange, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to one of the other sites that are there called, and this one's called Douth. And it is about Douth is darkness. And when I was there and the wind is blowing, I was instructed by my spirit guides to go to a place where there were stones. And I was told, lift the stones. And I lifted the stones out of this hole. And I can't say the hole went into the underworld, but it was a hole. And as I did, I saw all the spirits who had been in that underworld flowing out fast, really fast. And it was they were, I was being told it was because the wind was so high, these spirits could be taken very fast into the light. And it was just amazing to see. And I could see at that time, again, this is with my inner eyes, that it wasn't just in this place, or I shouldn't say the spirits were not just held in that place. I could see spirits coming from all over the world because they suddenly saw this light source as I was clearing these stones there was a light shining and they came towards it and went out through the hole. And some of you may have been there with me and we cleared the hole together. Now this took no more than 10 minutes, but it, it's one of those times where I've been privileged to be given the guidance to how I can help. And I think that's so important. So there's one other group I want to mention and those are called cryptics. Encryptids are people or beings who are able to transform themselves from people into animals. And some of you may have read about these. Sometimes they're very scary, something like Skinwalker. These are often beings who have changed but can't change back. Like we often see the werewolf similar. And sometimes, unfortunately, there were groups who would actually create this in a sort of curse. I'm putting the curse of this being against you because we don't like you. <laughs> and so you often see cryptics working in that way, although that isn't their main purpose. There are Sasquatches, mermaids. I could go down the line there. But I'm wanting you to know that there's more in heaven and earth, or we understand more about what's in the skies than we'll ever understand at this moment about what's in the earth, and especially the oceans. There's an awful lot that goes on there. So I hope I'm opening your eyes to what lies beneath, to recognize that we are not alone, nor are we only associated with those who have died and are going to rise up in, this, in Sawen or Halloween and trick and treat us. There are beings who live within our planet, deep within our planet, just as I met there in Gorim in the underground city. And there are many beings who want to help us and there are beings who perhaps aren't going to give us the best help. But what's important to understand is they're all part of Mother Earth's consciousness. And that this understanding of taking ourselves into the underworld doesn't have to be a physical one, but it can also be we have to meet ourselves in all the forms that live within the earth as well.
And this is a, a really rich time to do that. So I hope you'll have a wonderful Samhain or Halloween. And if you wish to dress up, you may do and light your lanterns. And, but recognize that it's actually a wonderful time for meeting your own inner spirits, your own guidance. And some of it is listening to the trees, listening to the stones, listening to the water. What is this trying to say to you? What, what is coming to you about your amazing, unique self that is awaiting to be born? Until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Tumblr, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel, on YouTube, and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heartspeak.